If you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. And we are beginning a brand new sermon series called Redeeming Rest. Redeeming Rest this morning. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. Really, really easy to find. It's on page 2 of the Blue Bible, okay? So Genesis 2, page 2. I'm pretty sure my five-year-old could find that. And so reach down there underneath the seat in front of you. Pull out that Blue Bible. Genesis chapter 2, page 2. So this, this idea of redeeming rest, for those of you who are maybe new, you don't, might not know this, but uh, I'm going to begin a sabbatical. I'm going on a sabbatical this summer. Um, I hear that you guys are excited about that. You've thrown yourself a party um, because you're like, man, I, we get to be get rid of them for, for the rest of the summer. We don't have to deal with them at all. So let's, let's celebrate that. So that's fine. I mean, I get it. That's just cool do whatever you want to do. Um, But I'm going to be entering into a season of extended rest, uh, a season of uh, deep, intentional spiritual rest and inviting God to do a work in me and in my family. Uh, We are um, there's a lot of emotions going into this time, but we're excited about it. We're excited to see what, what God does over this next season. So this is my last Sunday for a while with you, with you guys. But as I enter into this time of rest, we've been trying to prepare you all for a time of rest, to invite you to say, hey, let's take, let's take rest a little bit more seriously because we believe that's something that God has called us to. And so here's what's been happening uh, behind the scenes. Um, next week, you're going to see this. We have, a, we have a kind of a summer renewal guide that we're going to put in your hands. A little guide that says, man, what does it look like for you to be intentional this summer with rest? What does it look like for you to lean into spiritual rest this summer? All of our path groups have been participating four weeks, for the past four weeks, um, in the practice of Sabbath. What does Sabbath look like? And now, over the next four weeks, we're going to be preaching on Sabbath and say, man, let's, let's be a community that takes serious the call of God on our lives to rest. God has called us to rest because deep within us, in the image of God, we are called to be a people. We are a people designed for rest. And that's what we're going to see this morning. And so if you got your Bibles, Genesis 2, uh, for those of you who are able and honor and reverence to the Word of God, would you stand with me as I read it for us this morning? Genesis 2 verse 1 reads this way. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Um, This is, right, so God has created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, created the cosmos. Seven day he rested. This is the first picture in the whole Bible of what's called Sabbath. Sabbath, right? Sabbath, uh, we're going to talk about Sabbath over the next few weeks, and this is the first picture of it. But what I want you to hear this morning is this. This is a major thread throughout the Bible, and we're going to pull on that thread over the next few weeks. It's a, it's a thread that we see in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We see it in the life of Jesus. We see it all the way through Revelation into eternity. We see this idea of God saying, man, I want my people to be a people of rest. Okay? This is not like, hey, let's preach on rest because we want to be selfish and gain rest. No, no. We're preaching on rest because God has called us to be a people of rest. That's a profound thing. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We're going to get deeper into that idea. That's a profound thing that God has called us to be a people of rest. It's a major thread within the Bible. It's it's a command that God gives us. We're going to look at that in a little bit. God has commanded us to rest. 
which also is a profound thing. We're going to look at these things this morning. We know that we need this. We are a people, right? We could press through, right? This is just the reality of human beings, okay? We're going to look at this in a little bit as well. I mean, you could just keep going all day, every day. You could go, 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 go. I don't want you to think, oh, we Sabbath because we just need rest. That's not, that's not why we Sabbath. It, it really isn't, right? My type A friends in the room, you know this. You know this. You can just press through every single day. You can get more done and more and more and more and more every single day. You can do that if you want. However, it will destroy you, okay? Um, there, there was a study done of Seventh-day Adventists, which is like a sect of, breakup sect of Christianity who takes Sabbathing really, 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 really seriously, and they found that they live 11 years longer than the average American. Just because one day a week, they d- engage in deep spiritual rest. So we know this is a major theme. It's a command from God. It's good for us, right? But here's the reality, friends. We are not good at this. We are terrible at this. Or may- maybe it's just me. Am I-, am I the only one? Like genuinely, as your pastor, can I just be honest with you? Okay, I'm not good at this. I'm not the guy who has mastered Sabbath. There's been seasons of life where it's been really, really good. But most of my life, most of my days, I just go, I just blow through it. Most weeks, just blow right through it. And I want to see that shift. I want to see it shift in me. I want to see it shift in you. We are people who are not good at Sabbath. We need to get better at this. We need to practice Sabbath. Maybe you grew up in, in a church community where they talked about it a little bit here and there, but never actually engaged in it. You were never taught how to do it. So I want to get really, really practical uh, over the next few weeks. Our goal over the next few weeks is that you would enter into the rest that God has designed you for. I want you to see that this morning. You were designed for this. It's part of who you are. You were designed for this. I want you to consider what does it mean to enter into who I was designed to be, enter into the rest that God has designed you for. And so this morning, we're going to get really, really, really simple. We're going to unpack this more and more and more over the next few weeks. But this morning, is kind of like Sabbath 101. We're going to look at three things. Number one, we're going to say, what is Sabbath? We're going to say, why Sabbath? And then we're just going to get really practical. Because, man, I don't want you to just be intellectual about this. I want you to actually begin to do this. And I think it's easier than we think, right? We're kind of, we, kind of, we kind of think, man, this is like this ancient thing that's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, way older than Jesus, right? Sabbath has been around since, since God created creation on the seventh day. It's been around for a really, really long time, okay? And so we can be intimidated by this, but I think it's actually really simple. It's who we're designed to be. It's easy to step into. It's not complex. And so let's get into it this morning. First, what is it? What is Sabbath? Okay, what is Sabbath? Traditionally, traditionally, Sabbath occurs once every seven days. It is a day of deep spiritual rest, like definition 101. It's just a day of deep spiritual rest. Traditionally, every seventh day, right? We're going to look at why that is, because God has commanded to be every seventh day. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. Shabbat is the word that we actually find in Genesis 2. What it means is to cease, to end, to rest, to be completed, to just be finished, to be done, and to rest in that. Right? This is what we see in Genesis 2. And so I'm going to reread that passage for us, but I want you to think well about the word rest. 
Shabbat in this text. Here's what it says. If you're following along in your Bible still, Genesis 2, page 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, everything in them, every animal, every, every living thing is finished. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested, he Shabbat, he ended, he ceased. He was completed on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. It's holy means set apart. It's different from all of the other days. It's set apart from every other day. Because on it, God Shabbat, he ceased, he ended, he completed from all of his work that he had done in creation. This is the first picture of Sabbath in the entire Bible. And what's fascinating is that it's God who is Sabbathing, not man. Like we always think of Sabbath is for us. It's our thing. But this is God Sabbathing. He is the one participating in this practice. But why? Why is God Sabbathing? Let, let me ask you a question. A simple question. Hopefully you know the answer. Is God resting on the seventh day because he needs rest? Because he's tired? Because he's worn out? Man, creating the world and everything in it just kind of took it out of him and it just seems like a nap is the right thing that I need in that day. Is that what's going on? No, of course not. Of course not. We, we know this. The creation of the cosmos did not strain him. It did not strain him. It did not exhaust him. It didn't challenge his capacity. It was effortless for him. On day one, before day one, God had infinite supplies of energy and vigor and, and thoughts and depths. Like there's, there, it's, un, it's unsearchable how much he could create. And on day seven, he had the same infinite supply of energy. He could have gone on for seven more days and 70 more days and 700 more days and 700,000 more days and 700 million more days. He could have gone on for eternity creating, but he doesn't. So why does he rest? Why does he stop? Why does God rest? Now, the traditional, maybe not traditional, uh, what some pastors have taught and what some people have been led to believe, and I think this is a really bad idea, is that God is simply trying to be a good example for you, okay? Sometimes mom and dad have to eat their broccoli when they don't want to because you can't tell your kids to eat their broccoli and then you don't eat your broccoli, okay? And so God's just trying to be a good God who like sets an example for you and I'm gonna do the right thing so that you can do the thing that you need to do. You need rest, but I don't need rest. And so I'm gonna be restful for your sake. I don't think that's true. I mean, there might be like a little bit of truth in that, but that's not actually what's going on. Why is God resting? I think it's in the text. When we understand the, the language of Shabbat, this idea of completion, deep spiritual rest and completion, God, verse 3, God rested. He completion. He, he, he stopped from all his work that he had done in creation. Sabbath, I want to make the case, is the rest of completion. It is resting in a completed work. That's what God's doing. He's resting in a completed work. What do I mean by this? Let me see if I can explain. Um, this past week, my wife gave me a task, a task that I've never done before, something that's unfamiliar to me, something that I've never not experienced in. She asked me to hang some wallpaper. Anybody in the room ever hang wallpaper before? Oh, Lord, have mercy on you. Okay, listen to me. If you've never hung wallpaper before, count your blessings and just steer clear. All right? Uh, the thing about wallpaper is this. 
all right, for, the, for those of you who don't know. Uh, the first one, the first column has to be perfect, okay? I mean, it's got to be perfect in every way. And so you've got to spend some time on this first one, and it's not easy. Perfection, not easy, okay? And I, it is stress-inducing. Anxiety uh, is just gripping my heart as I'm trying to get this thing on the wall perfectly. I have to send my kids out of the house because they don't need to see dad like this, okay? They just don't need to see this. They don't need to bear witness to the things that are happening in this room. And so I finally get the one perfect. The walls are crooked. The ceiling slanted. Everything. Right, finally we get there. If you don't get the first one perfect, the next one's going to be a little bit more off. And then the next one's a little bit more off. And the next one's a little bit more off. Until next thing you know, you're doing sideways wallpaper. You're like, what has happened? Right? But we get it. We get it perfect. The next one we put up. The next one. The next one we get around the trim and all the things. And we finish it. And you step back and you're like, it's pretty good. I mean, it looks good. Like, I'm no professional wallpaper, but I don't think a professional could have done any better. Like, it's that good. It's crisp. It's clean. The lines, everything lines up perfectly. I mean, it looks good. And I caught myself this week, several times, actually, walking into that room and just sitting there and <laughs> resting in my work, <laughs> delighting in it, the completion you know this feeling, even if you've never done wallpaper before, you've done something like this, where you've stepped back and you've been like, that feels good. Like there's something in me that's, that's kind of awakened by this. Like I am, I'm experiencing an emotion that then you can't find anywhere else. You don't get that feeling from anything else. You step back and you're like, I'm resting in my completed work. On the seventh day, right, that emotion that you're experiencing, that man, that's part of the design. You're created in the image of God. And on, in, on the seventh day, that is what God is experiencing. He is delighting in his completed work. He's stepping back and he's looking at the expanse of the cosmos and he's saying, that's pretty good, right? Every day, at the end of every day, he's like, that's good. And it was good and it was good and it was good and it was good, right? On the seventh day, he is stepping back and he's just delighting and he's like, this is amazing. Like, my glory is amazing. He's delighting in the sun and the moon and the stars and all of the planets of the cosmos. He's delighting in Adam and Eve and all of the creatures that he's created. Just sitting back and enjoying it for a day. It's the rest of completion. And you were designed for this. Your soul comes alive when you rest in completion. Does it not? This is what Sabbath is. The seventh day is God resting from all of his works. Sabbath involves four things. Stopping. You got to stop. You can't, just, you can't just plow through it. You got to stop and smell the roses. You planted them. You watered them. They grew. You've got to stop and smell them. Delight in it. Stopping. Resting. You rest in it. And you delight. Stopping. Resting. Delighting. And then worshiping. We worship God for all he's done. Sabbath is therefore celebratory. It's joyful. It's thankful. Right? If you spent all day all day on Saturday, right? Making your yard perfect, like cutting your grass perfectly, right? You've got the greenest lawn on the block. You've planted all your flowers. You've redone your sprinklers for the one millionth time, right? And everything is right and everything is good. You, you, you're ready for summer. You're ready for backyard barbecues and parties. Maybe Sunday morning for you looks like making that cup of coffee, grabbing your Bible, going and sitting on the deck or the patio and just surveying your work just delighting in it for a moment, just soaking up the rest of completion as you sit there, you read your Bible, you pray, and then you are reminded of this. 
Who makes the grass green? Is that your skill? Or did God create green grass? Who makes the flowers colorful and vibrant and pop? Did you design flowers? No, you just dug a hole. Congratulations. God makes those flowers. Who has given you the eyes to see that? Did you design eyes? No, God designed your eyes. He's given you the ability to see everything in this room, everything that glitters, every, every face, every person. He's given you the ability to see that. Is that not amazing? So we stop, we rest, we delight. Then you got to worship. We worship the one who's actually done the work, the one who's actually finished the work. God has done it. His work is finished. Tomorrow there will be more for me to do. For God, it's finished. It's done. We remember, I was designed for this experience. This emotion that I'm feeling right now, I was designed for that. This rest, I was made for this rest. And so that leads us to the next question. Why Sabbath? Why Sabbath? Why do we do this? I'm going to give you a few things, but first and foremost, God has commanded us to Sabbath. Now, a lot of people debate this, like, is this still a command for us today, yada, yada, yada. But without any question, there was a command from God to Sabbath. Here it is in Exodus 20, verse 8. It reads this way, and I want you to hear these words and think on these words. It says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the primary command. And then he's going to explain how we do that. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set apart from all the other days. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your sons, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, here's the why, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is one of the Ten Commandments. I love when people argue, well, we don't need to follow anymore. It's one of the Ten Commandments. What do you mean? And not like that. It's the longest of the Ten Commandments. This commandment comprises like 37% of the Ten Commandments. It's huge. And people are like, well, it's not for, really for me. What do you mean it's not for you? Like, it's for you. You're designed for this. It's a commandment that God has given you. I want you to think about that for a second. God has commanded you to rest. I, sometimes I, I marvel at the things that God tells us to do because it just proves that he's actually a real God. Do any of the Greek gods command their people to be less productive? I just want you to just not, not do anything for a day. No. They're like, give me more stuff. Serve me more. Did the kings of the world say, hey, I just want you to take a day for yourself? No. Serve me more. Bow to me more. Give me more. Right? Factory, factory managers are like, I need you to work more hours, not less hours. But God says, the real genuine God of all things says, and rest is a holy and right thing, and I've designed you for it. One day a week, you need to stop. You need to rest. You need to delight. You need to worship, because it's going to feed your soul in ways that you cannot even imagine. I've designed you for this. It's a part of who you are, the image of God, the imago day in you cries out for Sabbath. 
We must stop. We must rest. We must delight. We praise God because he is commanding us to be who we were meant to be. Stepping into Sabbath, participating in Sabbath, is stepping into the truest sense of yourself, the image of God in you. The command is for your good. God commands us to Sabbath because God wants to refresh you in order to be with you. Think about it for a moment. God wants to refresh you in order to be with you. Of all of the restful things in the world that you can think of, like your ideal day of rest, right? Swinging in a hammock on the beach. No kids around. No human beings around would be fine by me. Just the sound of the water lapping up on the shore. Maybe a drink in my hand. I'd be okay with that, right? Just doing nothing. Taking a little nap, a little snooze. It'd be amazing. Listen, 30 seconds in the presence of God is more restful, more deeply life-giving than 30 years of laying around in a hammock. Okay, I'm telling you, God is inviting you into a deep rest because he longs to be with you. And he knows that if you are going to actually experience his presence, you've got to stop, you've got to rest, you've got to delight, you've got to worship Otherwise, you're just going to blow right by by. And this is what we do every single week. We just blow right by. We blow right by his presence. We blow right by intimacy. We blow right by the love that God has for us. We need to stop. Rest is essential to the Christian life. There is no intimacy without quiet space. There is no quiet space with hurry. Sabbath is a gift that leads to presence. God says, man, I command you to stop because I just want to be with you. I command you to stop, because I I want to fill you with greater strength and greater renewal. We cannot do this thing called the Christian life without Sabbath. Think about it for a second. What happens to your life when you're tired? People just love being around you when you're tired. I know they do me. Man, my family loves being around me when I'm tired. So much better. Such a better human being. Not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form, right? You love your kids when they're tired, don't you? Oh, man, just a joy to be around. No. Tiredness, exhaustion leads to stress, anxiety, burnout, physical and mental fatigue, uh, uh, decreased cognitive function, impaired immune system, increased risk of chronic health conditions such as heart disease and obesity, elevated stress levels, decreased productivity, and higher susceptibility to, uh, to accidents and injuries, right? We, all of these things come when we're tired, all of these things come when we're tired. But not just that. Like, those are the things that science knows. But there's other things, too. Satan wants to get you tired. He knows when you're tired, you are most susceptible. When you're tired, you're most temptable. When you're tired, you're most vulnerable. When you're tired, you're most convincible. He can convince you to do all kinds of things if he can just get you tired, weary, a little worn out. Wouldn't this make you feel better? Just dangle it in front of you. Man, Satan loves to get you tired. I think it was Corey Timboom who said, man, if Satan uh, can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Listen, he wants you to be busy. He wants you to be tired. And we need Sabbath. We need to know that Sabbath rest is warfare. It is absolute warfare. This is why it's so hard for us. It's not hard. It's not a hard concept. Like, this is natural to us. It is natural to, to rest 
Our soul delights in it. Hanging wallpaper, not fun. Resting in it, so much fun, so life-giving. It is natural for us to rest in completed work. It's natural for us to stop, to rest, but yet it's so hard. It's so hard to build that into the rhythm of our life because Satan says, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep you moving seven days a week. I'm going to keep you busy. I'm going to keep you going so that I can get you. I want to keep you out of the presence of God. But Sabbath, if we're intentional, it's warfare. It roots us in rest and renewal and thankfulness and godly delight. And when you are in that place, Satan can't touch you and he knows it. He knows it. We Sabbath because we need it more than we know. Not for some bodily rest, but for spiritual rest. We need it. I wonder what our lives would look like if we devoted ourselves to Sabbath. I wonder what our marriages and our families would look like if we devoted ourselves to Sabbath. I wonder what our, how it would change, transform our friends if we devoted ourselves to Sabbath. In the West in particular, in Christianity, I wonder what would happen if the church in the West, Christians in the West, devoted themselves to Sabbath. You know, I think it would change the world if we were people who one day a week took Sabbath rest, spiritual renewal, the presence of God seriously. Just one day a week. If we entered into our design one day a week, I think it would transform the entire world. What would happen in your life if you just said, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to one day a week stopping Resting, delighting, and worshiping. That's our call. So how do we practically do this? I want to give you a couple practical, practical, practical things. Real simple, 101. Every week we're going to give you some practical things, but today I want to keep it super practical, okay? First is this. Give it thought and make it special. Can't get more simple than that. But that's the commandment. I asked you earlier as I read from Exodus to, to think on this, right? The command is this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember it. Give it thought. Keep it special, right? Keep it holy. Set it apart from all the other days. For so many Americans, what we do is we don't, we don't think about it at all. Like Sunday comes and we just kind of do our normal routine in the morning. We go to church, we come home, we're like, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? And here's the thing, there's always things to do. There's always chores. There's always things around the house, projects that need to get done. Always there. There's always sports on TV, right? There's always something to watch on TV. There's always some friends that are going to go do something, right? There's always things to do, but because you have not thought about it, you have not set it apart, you've not made it special, there is no, there's no deep, intentional spiritual rest happening. It's just another day. It looks like all the other days. It's not set apart. It's not distinct in any way. Simply stopping and thinking about it. And for a season of our lives, man, Friday nights was kind of the beginning of Sabbath, it was a time where we said, man, we're going to stop from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, right? Because Sunday's always a crazy day for me. That's just the reality of my, my life, right? It's for you, maybe Sunday's a better day. Traditionally, it's been on Sunday. And so, but we had to stop. We had to be intentional on Friday night to say, okay, what does Saturday look like? Like, how are we going to actually participate in this thing? How are we going to actually do restful things? We need to stop. We need to think about it, give it thought, and set it apart. Make it distinct. How is this day going to look different from all of the other days? That leads me to the second thing I want you to see. You need to find your rest. What is restful for you? Find your rest. Okay? Listen, did God do nothing on the seventh day? Did he do nothing? No, he did things. He was absolutely doing things. 
I, I want to argue that there's kind of two categories in which God was doing things. Number one, he had to do the things that he always has to do. Like regulate the temperature of the sun. That's kind of important. Keep quantum physics, doing quantum physics things. I don't understand that. Like he has to do these things. He has to keep the earth tilted on its axis and spinning at the right amount. Otherwise, everyone's going to get crushed or they're going to float away. He has to manage all of that. He's got to do all those things. On Sabbath, your kids still need to be fed. You still need to eat. There are basic things that you have to do. Your basic things don't look like God's basic things, but there's basic things that you have to do on the Sabbath. So you got to do those basic things. It's not work. It's just life. But then also, he did restful things. He did the things that were life-giving to him. He enjoyed the fruit of his labor. He enjoyed the creation that he'd created. And so what is life-giving for you? What does that look like for you? Maybe if you sit at a desk all day, every day, for you, maybe it's getting outside, soaking up some vitamin D, going on a hike, going mountain biking, going skiing, just playing in the park with friends. Get out of here. Just get outside. If for you, you do kind of manual labor, backbreaking stuff all day, you're on your feet all day, every day, right? For you, maybe it is kicking up on the couch for a little bit, taking a nap, getting a massage, relaxing a little bit, hanging in that hammock, right? Maybe by the beach if you're lucky, right? That's what it looks like for you. What is restful to you? I love the way that Justin Early puts it in his book, The Common Rule. Common Rule is a book that we read as a church uh, not too long ago. And then he talks about his ideal Sabbath. Here's what he says. He says, an ideal Sabbath looked like this. Sleep in. I can get behind that. Worship. Yes, please. Long lunch with friends. I love a long lunch with friends. Go home and rest. Maybe take a nap. Maybe make love. All the men in the room are like, wait, what? What are we talking about again? Huh? Sabbath? I think we should go Sabbath, babe. I think we should get, take serious Sabbath seriously. We should Sabbath right now. Go out and explore some part of the city we hadn't been to yet. Or go for a walk in the park. And bring a book that is pure pleasure reading. What all these things have in common is not that, they're, that they involve not doing, but rather they involve doing worshipful activities. Sorry, worshipful and engaging activities. They were things that drew us closer to God and others. The rest I need was not more sleep, but the rest that comes with unfolding and good friendships and setting, uh, uh, sitting still in God's creation. That's the rest we need. The rest we need is not more sleep. That's not the rest we're talking about. We're talking about deep spiritual rest and renewal. We want to redeem rest this summer. That's the goal, okay? What is restful for you? What does rest look like to you, okay? So we think about it. We make it special. We set it apart. It's distinct from all the other days. And it's unique to us. What is restful for you? And then I'm going to give you one more thing, okay? And this is not something you're going to find in the Bible. It's not in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Jesus talks a lot about Sabbath. It's not in Jesus, okay? But it's right here. It's in this room. It's in, it's in your pocket, actually. It's, it's this, okay? I think if you fast forward a couple thousand years from the time of Jesus, in order for us to be a people of rest, we must take this seriously, Here's the reality. Americans spend over six hours a day on screens. 4.8 hours. 4.8 hours of that time is spent on this device, your phone, our phones. 4.8 hours a day on average, on average. That's up two hours since 2019. Just in the past couple of years, that's increased by two hours a day. Teenagers, over eight and a half hours a day on average 
Over eight and a half hours a day, on average, are spent on their phones. And we know all the data is in. All the studies have shown, and this is restlessness. It creates restlessness in us. It's anxiety-inducing. It's diverting. It's distracting. It's pulling us into stress and anxiety. And we know it. Everything that has ever been studied on the phone tells us that. And so if one day of the week is going to look different, distinct from all the others, you got to manage the device. I just want to encourage you, man. Listen, to one day a week, turn it off. Set it aside. Don't take it with you. There was a time, not long ago, for some of you, you might think it was long ago, but it was in my lifetime, when you couldn't take it with you. It was attached to a cord on the wall. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. I know. But it was literally, there was a cord on the wall, right? And you couldn't take it with you. It had to stay there in that room. If you wanted to go with your friend someplace, it was left behind. It was not there. And all of a sudden we think, oh, but I have to have it with me. I need to take it. No, no you don't. No, you don't. We can, you can live without it. You will survive. I know that stress inducing. Just thinking it. For some of you, you might have to lock it away and give like the key to your spouse or to a friend and be like, I can't touch it. Right? Because we are addicted to the thing. We are. And if you think you're not, it has already mastered you. It's got a hold of your life. I mean, I, I just think that in our day, if we are going to take genuine rest seriously, we must come up with a plan around our phone. As I said at the beginning of this, man, I'm getting ready to enter into a sabbatical this summer. And I'm already thinking, we've been planning for months and months and months. How are we going to make this uh, different and special? We're giving thought to it. We're setting it apart. We're thinking through it. But we're also coming up with a plan, with a plan around, man, what gives us life? What gives me life? What gives my family life? Let's engage in those things. But I'm also thinking, how do I need to manage my phone? How do I need to leave it behind? I don't want to take it with me. I don't want it to control my life and control my thoughts. I want to slow down. I want to be restful. And so I need a plan around this. Man, I, friends, I think that, that there is more that you need in Sabbath then you can begin to imagine, but we must begin to wade into it. We must begin to engage in it. We must begin to take it seriously. And so I just want to invite you into a summer of rest and renewal. We're going to be talking about this more and more and more. We're going to be getting deeper and deeper and deeper over the next few weeks. I don't want you to miss out on any of that. Next Sunday, we're going to be handing out uh, those, those renewal guides, just kind of guide you through, and what does rest look like for you? What does deep intentionality look like for you? And what is God trying to awaken in you? All that's coming in the next few Weeks here at Flourishing Grace. But for right now, for this morning, I mean, I just want to give us a chance to just think, what does rest look like? What do I need to change right now about the rest of my day today? What plans do I need to change in order to engage in some rest today, this Sabbath day? So let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray, I want to give you a chance to just consider this day. What are the plans you've made already? Are they restful things? Are they things that are going to bring you delight? Things that are going to induce worship in you? Jesus, we come before you and we acknowledge that you have designed us, you have made us unique people who in order to live in the fullest sense of who we were meant to be, we need a day of rest. 
because we were designed for it. And we can press through, we can move on, we can keep going, but we will never live into the fullness of life. We'll, we'll never know what it means to have a, a light burden and an easy yoke. We'll never know what it means to abide in you if we just keep pressing on. And so would you form flourishing grace into a people of rest, a people of Sabbath, who are not intimidated by this idea, but see how simple it is. Simply doing the thing that our heart delights in. And so right now, I pray that you would give these people in this room, these men and women, a vision for Sabbath. You'd awaken them right now to what gives them rest, what induces worship in their life. I pray that you'd show them right now all the things that were accomplished this week, the things that are finished, the things that are done, checked off the list, things that they did, but also things that you did in them. As we gaze and behold those things, would you increase our delight, increase our joy? And would you move us to worship? Would we be a people who give you the glory and all the honor and all the praise? Praise the sweet name of Jesus. Amen.